Welcome to the Leadership Roundtable. We are so glad to have you join us on today's podcast. But before we jump in, we have a special announcement. The CLIMB Conference is coming up at the start of 2022. And this conference is designed for pastors and their teams to come be a part of this. It is going to be January 27th through 29th. It is a time for your team to get poured into and to grow in their leadership. So you don't want to miss it. Go to climbconference.com and get your whole team here. Don't miss the early bird pricing. Now to today's episode. Welcome to the Leadership Roundtable, a podcast with Dr. Conway Edwards, where we talk leadership and how important leadership is in the church, in business, and in nonprofits and organizations. And it's always our honor and pleasure to invite guests in who have a specific knack for leadership. And before we even jump in, I want to tell you, while you're doing that, make sure you go to our webpage, visit1cc.com slash leadershiproundtable, where you'll be able to download and see the notes and the outline for what we talk about today. Now today, we have a guest from Birmingham, Alabama, the Worship Center Christian Church. His name is Bishop Van Moody. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, man. It's an honor to be with you guys. It has been so great to have you at our church and now speaking to the the One Family and the Leadership Roundtable family, just about what God's doing in your life and in your church. And kind of uh, one of the big things I've learned about is just this knack for relationships and some books that you've written on the people factor and the I factor and would love to hear about and how you would speak to leaders about relationships and what that looks like. Yeah, well, it's been a, it's been a joy. It's a passion of mine. Uh, one of the things that I recognized early in my journey with God and just my overall growth as a believer is how central relationships are to God's heart, right? There was a um, international conference many, many years ago. I think it was in the late 70s, early 80s, where there were um, leaders, Christian leaders from uh, the church and from the marketplace that came together from all over the world. And they were tasked with trying to reduce uh, Christianity down to really one or two words or kind of a nice sentence. And what was interesting is all of these global leaders and thinkers, Christian, but from different spheres of influence, what they kind of reduced our faith down to, and I don't mean, you know, minimizing it, mm-hmm. but what they did is they said, you know, if we could sum up the essence of our faith in one or two words, what would it be? And guess what word they chose? Relationships. Uh, and I later, you know, learned that and just the more I began to grow and understand more and more about God's heart and just what it takes to be a credible leader, I recognized that in many ways the kingdom of God revolves around relationships. And not only the kingdom of God, but if you're going to do anything of significance as a leader, whether it's in the marketplace or whether it's in ministry, you have to be able to navigate relationships well. The ability for you to understand relationships and navigate them well literally will make or break you um, in leadership. And so I've really kind of given my life to it. And in many ways, it was first given to me. I had a lot of great leaders who saw potential, uh, saw purpose in me, even sometimes as a kid when I didn't see it in myself. And they poured their lives into me and challenged me to do the same thing in a variety of ways. And so it's been been a lifelong journey, but that's um, something that has been a purpose of mine, a kind of a core value of mine. And that's kind of how I got into particularly writing on the subject. Because as a leader, 
like you said, it propels you forward or it holds you back. Certainly. Have you seen that play out in your leadership and life as a pastor of a church? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> you know, it's it's really interesting. I was um, in ministry at a very early age. One of those you know leaders that I talked about that poured into my life, a lot of them were pastors. And one of them was my youth pastor who I was in high school, encouraged me and, and saw the calling of God on my life. And so I started uh, as a young person in ministry and then uh, going through college and working all through, working for a church all through college and then going to seminary. And then, you know, when I got into really full-time ministry after seminary for 13 years, I was a staff pastor. Mm -hmm. And so what I learned very quickly was that I had great ideas. I was a great leader. I had a strong administrative gift. Mm -hmm. But I, I realized that early on, I don't think seminary actually prepared me <laughs> for the relationships that I had to navigate in ministry. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, initially I just thought, well, let me just do what I do best. I'm gifted in these areas. But then I realized, but I, I can't do that well mm -hmm. if I can't relate to people well. Mm -hmm. And particularly in ministry, because we're called to shepherd people from all walks of life. They, they bring so much. Um, and it's not a bad thing. It's, it's really about are you nimble enough, though, to recognize that people are not an interruption to your ministry, but they are your ministry. And, and so for me early on in, in my life, particularly in ministry, I was, I was thinking, I got to get the job done, right? I right. was in pursuit of the vision. I was trying to finish the task. I was trying to build the, the, the great whatever thing we were working on. And I did. I honestly looked at people like at times they were a distraction, like, okay, I can't really talk to you right now because I got all of these to-do list things that I got to get done. But the Lord really helped me to understand that people are not a distraction to your ministry. They are your ministry. Mm. And so at, at an early age in ministry, the Lord just crystallized that for me. And then I began to just see that more and more and more through the pages of Scripture. In fact, that's kind of how this whole trilogy of books mm -hmm. came about. You know, a lot of people know the people factor. That was the most popular. But what many people don't know is it was really a trilogy. There were three books in the trilogy, The People Factor, The I Factor, and Desire by God. But all three of those books came out of the encounter. You may remember this when the teacher of the law comes up to Jesus mm -hmm. and says, of all of the law of Moses, what's the greatest commandment? And Jesus sums up, he says he can sum up all of the law and the prophets by saying, love the Lord your God right. with all your heart, mind, and soul, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's interesting, loving the Lord your God with all of your heart, mind, and soul is the third book of the trilogy, Desired by mm -hmm. God. Loving your neighbor is the first book, The People Factor, as you love yourself is the second book, The I Factor. Okay. And it's all about relationships. So even when Jesus says, and that's a powerful statement, he says he can sum up all of the law and the prophets. So we know we're talking Everything. about the entire Old Testament. Right. He says he can, he can sum it up in a statement about relationships. Mm -hmm. Love God, love people, right. and love yourself. Mm -hmm. Have a great relationship with the Lord have great relationships with other people, right. but then you also got to have a healthy and great relationship with yourself. Mm -hmm. It's all about relationships. Wow. So uh, you just, you, you reminded me when you said people are not a distraction, just about a week or so ago, I was reading a quote from C.S. Lewis that just got me. And he said, who you are when you're interrupted is who you really are. Yeah. And uh, when you said that, it just 
that one just got me because sometimes as leaders we get running around. Yeah. We're goals. We want results. We're headed in a direction, and sometimes we can leave a wake of disaster behind us. Absolutely. And um, wow, that just hit me when you said that. That people and relationships are what it's all about. Now, but there's this other one, desired by God, that you mentioned. Tell us a little bit about what what the heart of that is. Yeah, you know, it's funny. Um, the people factor is the most popular, and when I travel, people are like, oh yeah, you're the people factor guy, right? Um, but if I could be brutally transparent. I actually think The People Factor was the worst book in the trilogy. Not that it's not a good book, but if I could tell you the story of kind of how they, the books came out actually in reverse order. So I went around the world with The People Factor, and I think that people genuinely love to figure out how to do relationships with other people well. Mm -hmm. But I realized a couple of different things. I realized, number one, that while I was all over the world talking about how to have better relationships with others, I began to see this epidemic of leaders crashing and burning. Mm. There were very notable leadership failures in that time span when I literally within a year and a half went around the world giving talks on the people factor. And it was almost as if the Lord was speaking directly to me and he said, now, yeah, you're traveling all over the world to talk about how to relate to others. But you've got to challenge leaders to make sure that they lead themselves well because it all starts there. Mm-hmm. So then that led to the second book, The I Factor. And then it's, almost, it's, really, it's really interesting how God deals with me when I'm in a writing mode mm-hmm. because as I'm writing one book and maybe beginning to promote that, God begins to speak to me and show me the next book. Mm-hmm. And so as I finished The I Factor and was traveling, talking about your relationship with yourself, and I want to come back and unpack that a little bit more, But then I began to see this epidemic of our faith being politicized Mm -hmm. and and hijacked for uh, personal use in a way that was not integrous. So I began to really wrestle with how God was being represented in our culture. And it's more vengeful and hateful. Mm -hmm. It's more exclusive and not inclusive. And I really began to see that a lot of the presentations of Christianity, particularly in the name of God, didn't jive well with the, the example that Jesus set. Wow. So First Peter tells us that Jesus is our example in all things. He is the greatest leader that ever lived. And I, I tell people this, if you want to be effective in any sphere of influence as a leader, follow his example. Mm-hmm. But what I began to see is that a lot of what we were presenting in the name of Christianity wasn't Christ-like. And so with Desire by God, I really was on assignment because I wanted to challenge people to really rethink who God is. You know, it's interesting, after God talks to the children of Israel at Sinai in Exodus 19, Mm -hmm. um, He doesn't audibly talk again until Jesus comes. We we hear the voice of God through Jesus Christ. Mm From Sinai on, you know, God does speak to prophets, but in terms of the audible voice, we don't hear that again until Jesus begins to speak because he is a second member of the Holy Trinity, right? He he is, you know, God in the flesh. John says the word was made flesh and dwelled among us. And so that example of who Jesus is is so critical. Mm -hmm. And I really believe that if we go back to that and use that as the template, we can address a lot of the issues in society that... I really believe it's a threatening to pull us apart. Mm-hmm. I just believe that there's a healing and there's a change and a transformation that leaders 
have to initiate in all of their organizations, whether you are leading a large organization or a small one, I think change and transformation happens when you begin to to lead like Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. To embody that ethic, even when you deal with difficult people and when you tackle difficult issues, because there are a lot of complex issues mm-hmm. that we are wrestling with now as a country and in our communities. But if we wrestle with them as Jesus wrestled with them, mm-hmm. um, I think our, our communities could be healthier. I think our organizations could as well. So, you know, Desire by God really kind of grew out of that. But if I could back up for a second, and even go back to the I factor, because there's a, a powerful story in the Old Testament that I think is often glossed over, but you see it playing out, and you've been around ministry for a long time, Pastor Matt, so you, you, you've seen it. Well, it's a story of when the glory departs from Israel. Mm-hmm. It's the story of uh, Eli and his two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, okay. and you remember they were wicked leaders. And so when he gets notification that they, when Eli is notified that they are killed, uh, one of his daughters-in-law goes into labor. And she's in labor, and she dies giving childbirth, right, giving birth to the child. And in her last breath, because the glory departs, the ark of God is captured, she names the boy Ichabod, I-C-H-A-B-O-D. And Ichabod literally means the glory has departed. Mm. Now, what's interesting wow. is the, the name for the glory of God. Uh, when you read, for an example, when Moses set up the, the tent right, or the tabernacle, which we know was a tent early on before we get to Solomon, and it says that the glory of God like, was there. That is Kabod, C-H-A-B-O-D. Mm-hmm. When Solomon set up uh, the tabernacle. And he sacrifices and prays and asks God's presence to dwell, and the glory of God comes. That's Kabod, C-H-A-B-O-D. But yet, this woman, when she's dying, names her son Ichabod. That means the glory departs. So the difference between the glory coming and the glory departing is only one letter. Mm -hmm. It's I. Wow. And... That's the same thing for a lot of leaders. The difference between a successful life and a successful organization and one that fails and falters is often I. It's, it's if I can lead myself well, mm-hmm. if I can stay healthy and lead from a healthy place, a place of purity and holiness and integrity, mm-hmm. that often is the difference between the glory of God on your business and on your family and, and there being no glory. And so we have too many leaders that are leading like Eli uh, and Hophni and Phinehas, uh, instead of, conversely, leading like Samuel. Isn't it interesting that Eli uh, mentors Samuel, mm-hmm. but they're two different types of leaders? And I, I believe that that's what God is calling us to examine. We, we, we need Samuel leaders, not Eli and Hophni and Phinehas kind of leaders. And the challenge is, it's countercultural in this day and time, because we live in a world that basically suggests that that stuff doesn't matter anymore. When you look at, you know, leaders on the global stage, you know, popular culture suggests that it's your talent, you know, it's how much money you have, Mm -hmm. it's how connected you are, uh, it's how large your social media following is, that those are the things that make you great. But time and time again, you know, they may rise quickly, but they fall, and it's such a public fall, Mm -hmm. and it's painful because it sends ripples 
you know, through the kingdom of God, through organizations, and it's so unnecessary, wow. right? I mean, yeah. like, it could be avoided if we would really focus on the real foundational character traits that God will use to promote a leader and to give them success, character, faithfulness, integrity, truth, honesty, those kinds of things that are timeless. Yeah. Those are the things, you know, it's like when the Bible says that God searches the heart. I love that. And is pleased with integrity. That's still credible today. And so, you know, that's kind of what the desire by God was about. And then that's kind of what the eye factor was about. Yeah. But that's part of the reason why those latter two books, in my opinion, are even more important now. The People Factor is a great book, and we mm -hmm. need to know how to deal with others. But you could be the best at dealing with others. Yeah. And if you are not leading yourself well, and if your relationship with the Lord is not right, mm -hmm. you will still be ineffective. Wow. And I've heard it said, uh, great leaders are people who want to be better on the inside than they are on the outside. Absolutely. And why do you think, or what does that, that slow drift look like for the leader who starts with the right heart, yeah. but then drifts towards the wrong currency of leadership? Well, it actually starts with busyness. Mm, okay. It starts with allowing your life to be determined by something I call the tyranny of the urgent, mm -hmm. which is really easy. Yeah. In ministry, or if you're an entrepreneur, or you're a marketplace leader, it's really easy to become so busy. You know what I call it? I call it a starving baker. Um, my wife and I are foodies. We're vegan, but we love to still go to great restaurants. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm going to say something that's probably not the most politically correct, but I actually like it when I go into a restaurant and the, the head chef is kind of on the plus size, right? Because what that tells me <laughs> is they love to eat right. and they primarily probably love to eat the food that they're cooking, uh -huh. right? It's not the most politically correct statement, but it's a powerful truth because here's the problem with a lot of leaders. We're so busy cooking for others that we don't eat ourselves. Mm -hmm. And so I call that the starving baker syndrome. And, and that's often how right. leaders start drifting in the wrong direction because when what you have to do becomes more important than who you are, you are ultimately going to make some bad decisions, and go down the wrong road. Mm. So we, we ought to be leading out of the overflow of, of who we are, you know, what's presently happening in our own life, and you ought to be leading out of that place. Uh, and when you are not leading out of that place, when you are empty inside, when, when you're not healthy inside, then you begin to make decisions that don't necessarily come from the best place. Mm -hmm. They may come from the most expedient place, but ultimately, you just, it's a slow drift. Yeah. It's a slow drift. Yeah. And then you get further and further and further and further away from the ideal. And you wake up one day and you wonder, man, how did I get here? Mm -hmm. You know, and then it becomes, well, how many corrective decisions do I have to make to get back? Mm. And then sometimes, depending on the nature of those corrective decisions, it's about what is it going to cost me? Right. Will I be embarrassed? Well, I have to acknowledge to people that look up to me that I don't always get it right, mm -hmm. that, that maybe I blew it, right. right? And if you are not a person of humility, uh, and if humility doesn't just cloak your life, particularly when you begin to believe your own press clippings and when everybody's telling you that you're the greatest thing, sometimes that's a hard pill to swallow, to say, you know what, I blew it. 
you know, if you're in a marketplace and you've launched a product or you're building something and then to say, you know what, the way we did this was wrong when everybody is so invested in it. And that's why sometimes leaders don't make those corrective decisions. Mm-hmm. Then they ultimately crash and burn and wish that they could reverse the hands of time. Oh, gosh. So for the leader listening right now that maybe feels like I'm I, I can sense right now I resonate with you. I've drifted. I've drifted. And I hear what you're saying about corrective decisions. Um, I just wanted to see if you could unpack a little bit more for the person who's listening, the leader who's worn out, who's tired, who's busy, how they get back on the right path. What some of those decisions are they have to make? Well, I think, first of all, um, you have to prioritize your health. And let me talk a little bit about what that means to prioritize your health. Number one, if you are a Christian leader, and I'm hoping that you know that you are, and if not, I'm sure Pastor Matt or Dr. Conway can lead you to Christ. But the main thing is, you got to prioritize your time with the Lord, spending time daily with the Lord, hearing from Him, having spiritual practices that involve prayer and time in the Word of God, should be uh, just a big, big priority. You. Um, I had a professor and a mentor once that told me that we ought to order our lives around the rhythm of our relationship with God. And so that's, in essence, what I'm telling you. But then the other thing, and this is not very spiritual, but it's, it's, it's very practical. And in a sense, it is spiritual because I'm going to talk about your Sabbath practices. Mm-hmm. So Sabbath keeping is huge. And here's the thing about leaders. It never ceases to amaze me the amount of leaders that don't keep Sabbath well. Mm-hmm. And a part of Sabbath is what are your hobbies? What are the things that you do that feed you? It's amazing, Pastor Matt. I've, I've gone all over the world, and when I'm pouring into leaders, and I'll just ask that question, hey, what do you do for fun? Mm-hmm. And they want to tell me about a new business or a new product, and they want to tell me about you know deep revelation that the Lord gave them. I don't want to talk about that. I, I love that kind of stuff. Right. But no, I'm just, what do you do? What do you like to do that feeds you? And what never ceases to amaze me is so many leaders can't answer that question. All we have is work, and that is not healthy. You need something that is healthy, but that you can do. If it's golf, if it's roller skating, whatever it is. And that's the thing. You don't need to apologize about it. If it's playing video games, whatever it is that's healthy, meaning that, you know, it's God-honoring, it's not going to dishonor your family and, you know, your integrity and stuff like that. But, but if it feeds you somehow, you've got to engage in that on a consistent basis. And I tell you, you know, in the wake of COVID and so many things, that's only gotten worse. Right. You know, so many leaders even before COVID didn't have good Sabbath practices, didn't spend consistent time with the Lord, didn't have healthy outlets and hobbies. And then COVID just took that and multiplied it. Mm -hmm. And so there are so many leaders who are tired and burnt out because they did not prioritize themselves. Mm -hmm. And so I think if you could... Focus on those three things, daily time with God, but then having a a rhythm, a Sabbath rhythm, you know, whether it's once a week. Um, I had a mentor many years ago tell me this, and I've ordered my life around this. Recreation and recreation is spelled the same way on purpose. Mm -hmm. Because if you don't have healthy Sabbath practices where you are resting, you won't be your best version of yourself. You won't be creative. You won't be innovative. You know, a lot of that creative edge that leaders need, you won't have because you're empty. But then just what are that? What are those hobbies? Maybe it's one, maybe it's two. And for every leader that's listening, if you don't have one, that needs to be a homework assignment. You need to, you need to find it. You know, you need to find it. I'm a big CrossFit guy and a golf guy, mm-hmm. right? And I'm telling you, I mean, 
I live to get on the golf course. I love getting in in the CrossFit box at 5 or 6 a.m. with my buddies and getting after it and getting in that pain cave and and, and just being wiped out uh, but feeling so much better after, yeah. right? But those those are the things that I do, and my wife knows it. Our church knows. Mm-hmm. Hey, Bishop is out there doing his thing, and I love it, right? But then it invigorates me yeah. because then I can reconnect, and, and I'm recharged, I'm invigorated for the next journey. And for the leaders out there, I want to I want to encourage you. Think about those things. And if you don't have those kind of life giving hobbies, your task is to find them. Wow, that's good. And most of those leaders are trying to figure out a strategy for how they can. It's just be still. Just just chill, man. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I, I mean, like that. just that's chill. Good. Be still. Chill. Mm-hmm. Go have some fun. Yeah. Like love your that's wife. Right. Watch a movie. That's right. You know, like <laughs> you don't need to be that anointed all the time, right? Just chill, man. Oh, that's so good. Yeah. I want to ask you before we close, um, as a leader listening, what do they need to know about how God has designed them and created them? What does that have an impact on their leadership, and and how will that refresh them? Yeah, you know, the biggest thing is that you're good enough. Mm. Um, there's there's an ache uh, in the heart of every leader, and it's around this question of do I have what it takes? Wow. And you have to rest in the fact that you do. You know, God wouldn't have called you mm. if you didn't have it. And it check this out. No matter what school you went to, how many conferences you go to, if I could tell you a little secret, let me tell you this. It's not the conference of the school that will prepare you, it's God. Now, iron definitely sharpens iron, so definitely go to the conferences, network, learn new ideas, but know that that is not what qualifies you, it's God's calling. It's like when he says to the prophet Jeremiah, before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you, right, and I ordained you to be a prophet of God. It's, It's God who has qualified you and called you. As a matter of fact, my mentor back in the day used to say that uh, God qualifies the called. He doesn't call the qualified. That's good. And so you got to know that you're good enough. And you have to rest in the unique anointing and gift that God has given you is for you. The greatest tragedy of life is that we're all born originals, but too many of us die carbon copies. Mm. We, we, we want to be just like the next leader we want to try to pattern ourselves off of this person or dress like this person or right. speak like this other person or build a business like this other person. No, that's not why God created you. He created you and gifted you and anointed you for that assignment of your life, and nobody could do it like you. Wow. So lean into that and rest in that and watch God do even greater in your life. I love what Bishop said there. Just you are good enough. And um, the mere fact that you're even investing time to listen right now with us, you're on the right path. Don't give up. I know this has been one of the hardest seasons we've ever been through. Yeah. But keep investing and keep resting at the same time. Yep. Um, this has been great. I want to encourage you leaders to walk through what this looks like in all areas of your relationships, both with others, both with God, and even with yourself. And we want to challenge you. Figure out where the scales might be tipped in the wrong direction. And where do you need to have that time? I want to challenge you to go through and evaluate that for yourself and for those closest to you and figure out where you need to grow and spend some time with God so that you're, what I'm learning here is operating out of what God's already doing. And so many of us leaders get caught up um, adjusting our God time with what needs to happen and spending our time to pull off something for the kingdom instead of spending our time with God and letting that overflow. So leader, you're good enough. You can do this. Keep investing in yourself. And we just want to thank you again. We're super grateful that you're here listening, watching with us. 
We'll have some notes you can download at our webpage. Again, that's visit1cc.com slash leadership roundtable. We want to, again, thank you, Bishop Van Moody, all the way from Alabama to That's Texas. Right. That's right. Here we go. Yeah, man. It's been a joy to be with you guys. Yeah. You got to check out some Texas golf courses next time you're here. You know what? I normally travel with my golf clubs. Uh, I, my schedule was too busy with everything yes. else I had to do, but normally I travel with them, and I love to get on the golf course. Well, we can't wait to see you again at our church and yeah. here on the podcast. All right. Thank you for listening. Please, if this has been helpful, share it with someone. Leave us a review. We can't wait to see you next month. God bless you, fam. Thank you so much for listening in on today's episode. We are so grateful that you are here. Now, if this has helped you grow and you want to climb your leadership to the next level, don't forget the Climb Conference is coming up in January of 2022 from Bishop Van Moody to Pastor Eric Mason to our very own Dr. Conway Edwards. You don't want to miss this. We cannot wait to see you there.